0: I'm Nina, a co-founder of the Prism Awards and the Queer Comics Expo, and program coordinator at the Cartoon Art Museum in Gay San Francisco.
1: And I'm Jessica. I am a Greendale human being.
0: Welcome to the Queer Comics Podcast Today we're talking about Jessica's bread and butter frustration. So we're going to be sticking more to the Marvel Universe and surrounding context, but uh, to really jump into it, today's episode is called Erasure Head, and I'm just going to let Jessica take it from here, because really, <laughs> you know best. I
1: mean, <laughs> erasure is something that, I would say, one of the things that has held back queer narratives, film and TV for a long time, and TV obviously is making far more strides in movies these days.
0: Yeah, and we've, we've talked about or touched on it in some other episodes here and there, but we we really wanted to dive deep, right?
1: Yeah, uh, it's gonna be a deep dive, uh, diving right down deep into the deep pit of despair. Because the thing is, like, there is frustration around erasure, and the way I see it, there, especially with superhero films and just comics in general, and I guess not so much just comics, just like queer narratives in general and entertainment. There are like three things that normally hold back. Our narratives the most and you know if I had to cast them as villains in the movie and there was just like three henchmen you know yeah. as like these it would be death queer baiting and erasure and erasure would be leading the whole bunch mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh, m- many times erasure can encompass a little bit of everything you know a little bit of queer baiting with the side of death. You know, hinting a character's gay and then killing them off before they really establish it or killing them off after they establish it. And then in the context of comic book films that adapt our favorite source material, it's just simply non-acknowledgement, which is a form of erasure, which we've experienced a lot. And it being Pride 2019... You know, it's really important to highlight that kind of stuff. And recently, the MCU has kind of put out feelers that the named character, the known character, I should say, Mm -hmm. uh, that we have seen before will be named soon. And it'll be one that's a legacy character.
0: Yeah. May even be named before this podcast comes out. But like you said, not holding your breath. Maybe I'm not holding my breath. Even if they do, I'm not
1: holding my breath that I'll be shocked or that it'll be anything poignant. Because they could, for all I know, they could say, oh, by the way, Tony Stark was by the whole time.
0: <laughs> Didn't you know?
1: Right. Didn't you know? They're like, I love you 3000. Bye.
0: <laughs> um, so <laughs> they could really do that. Uh, um, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you mm-hmm. touched on pride and the, mm-hmm. the whole point of pride is to kind of combat erasure in our real mm-hmm. lives you know the the fact that you know we're we're here and we are proud of who we are and there's nothing mm-hmm. to be ashamed of that and so we're hoping i think that this episode mirrors that this like we yeah we don't want this to happen because it's not helpful and we want to be out there
1: yeah and i also think that it's okay to be upset mm-hmm. oh of course it's <laughs> drop my like
0: water mug uh <laughs> of did you put your it's cord like, in I'm some saying, guacamole no too? i actually
1: didn't see it as i was waving my hands um <laughs> to myself alone in my room uh saying i'm not angry knocking things over but uh, <laughs> uh i think we're allowed to be a little upset that mr manhattan's dick made it on to the big screen before a queer character in the title role of their own movie yeah. You know, especially when you put it in the context of, like, a lot of people still hold true to the stigma that queer content isn't, like, family-friendly
0: mm-hmm. or, like,
1: good for mainstream. But yet, I think, honestly, I think about the Watchmen a lot when I think about that because that mm-hmm. was such a big deal. And that, that, that guy, it was just out there. Do you Swinging. remember
0: if there was <clears throat> any sort of revealed turmoil or, like, the story behind that getting... Through, Honestly, just... I'm not even going
1: to dwell on it because like <laughs> the, it got yeah. through and then mm-hmm. there was like a scene where there was like three of them. So <laughs> I don't I don't yeah. even care. I, I highly doubt that Zack Snyder had to fight for that. Highly yeah. doubt it. Especially because, you know, I mean, it got an adult rating for the movie, but it was Mm -hmm. seen largely as a mainstream comic book film.
0: I think that is one thing is that, like you were saying, the views on queerness are, they're seen differently in different places. And so Mm -hmm. that, that rating system has a hard time understanding how to place queer content I think. and I
1: yeah and I also and a, a lot of the reason why I want to talk about erasure is the fact that I feel like there's also reverse erasure a little mm-hmm. bit even when a character is revealed to be gay which is what we're facing now with the MCU uh, we could probably talk about it at the end that whole thing because that actually ties into what I want to end with but okay you know for me I think it really kicked off uh there's two particular incident incidents that I want to talk about and like that happened in the last three or four years mm-hmm for me in the MCU, it started obviously with Tessa Thompson playing Valkyrie in Thor Ragnarok.
0: Yeah. I mean, damn. Like, how would you not? How do you not get that?
1: Yeah. I, so, I mean, it's an interesting story because back in October 21st of 2017, when a fan reached out to her on Twitter and said, Valkyrie in the comics is... I love that they say, is a a big old lesbian. A big old lesbian. So I doubt she would give your opinion Opinion, any any thought. thought, Oh, yeah. And then Tessa Thompson's like, she's bi, and yes, she cares very little about what men think of her. What a joy to play. So that's the kind of person i want playing a queer character on film because tessa thompson herself is identifies as queer so that that's a kind of allyship i love and she's the one who actually fought to kind of have some element of that in the film and taika taika watiti with the director he did also kind of champion that as well Mm mm-hmm but ultimately the scene they and they got a scene shot. Yeah. They was cu- yeah. they said it was cut from the movie, so it was shot. Where a woman's exiting Valkyrie's room, clearly they spent the night together and it was cut because of some reason. I don't know. But
0: <laughs> I'm I'm sure somebody said time constraints and that's a big old bunch of BS. That
1: honestly is just bullshit. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't have the audio for context, but in the Rolling Stone interview she did, she said it was cut because it distracted from some vital exposition. So, Hmm. the fact that she used that phrasing, I'm not in the room with her, and I could be getting it wrong, but that feels like low-key shade to me. (laughs) Because I'm like vital exposition in Thor Ragnarok. You, You mean a woman exiting Valkyrie's room ...would distract from, what, the sex spaceship they steal from Jeff Goldblum?
0: Uh, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like, come on, y'all. And then...
0: Well, uh if they know that they can have sex in their own spaceships, then... ...it'll totally destroy everything.
1: That's what kind of just bugged me. I don't know if... They never really explained really why... They cut it. Like, they didn't say it was for time, and I'm like, it seemed like a really small scene. It wasn't even really a scene with dialogue, but it got cut because it would somehow trip up the story. I'm like, that's bullshit, because Thor Ragnarok is, like, my favorite Thor movie, and it's I think it's very well-crafted, and based on the description, I'm like, how... I think it's not like that people would have been like, oh, well, now I just don't get the rest of the movie with the hell demons and
0: Asgard and everything, you know? (laughs) kidding me? Get out of here. I was thinking, like, it's... it's... (laughs) Yeah. That movie, like, a lot of people had problems with it because they felt like all of a sudden it was such a sort of relaxed and jokey movie compared mm-hmm. to the rest of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, and that's that what time. happens when
1: you give a movie to a different director. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like when you have a different writer come in and write a comic book for a character they've never written for before.
0: Right, you know? but I-, I felt like it yeah. was a nice palette cleanser from like everything else that felt like it was yeah. moored in this same sort of pattern that it was nice to have the, the pattern of storytelling sort of shook up. And yeah. it's, yeah, it's so weird to try to figure out because I was, I was trying to suss it out in my head. Like, oh, were they worried that, like, the dude bros would be offended? But then I was like, wouldn't oh, the, don't dude worry bros about the dude want bros want that? And then fuck the dude bros, <laughs> for their own way. fuck
1: them all. <laughs>
0: but then were they worried that if the dude bros liked it, that that would offend somebody else? And I, no, I like I don't that. think that they
1: think that. I don't think that about it. anybody making Thor Ragnarok gave a shit about the dude bros. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think, and I will stand for that. It's funny. I don't because think I feel honestly. Like that I don't.
0: Movie I don't. really catered to a lot yeah. of dude bros.
1: I mean, maybe, but I don't think that Tyka was out there being like, "Oh my god, will dude bros like this?" Oh my god, am I gonna like anger? Is everybody on HN gonna hate me? Oh my god! And the cool thing about when she talks about it is, she specifically references Annabelle Riggs from the comic, mm-hmm. who like, there's like some, there's like a kiss and some flirtation there. Levoutly. Yeah, I, I remember yeah.
0: getting that uh, comic, that like collection from Defenders, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I was like, I'm so excited. There's lesbians in this. There's like, where, mm-hmm. where are they? Where are they? Where are they? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. there's a yeah, <laughs> like a-, a small smidgen of lesbianism, and then, and then like it, it's almost like it didn't happen when it's not yeah. in that moment.
1: Exactly. It's a small moment, but the fact mm-hmm. that an actor playing the character was like, I want this from the source material in my character. Mm-hmm. in my character's canon like that's actually awesome of her to do that Right, you know, one she's doing the research and two she's advocating for representation and trying to work it into the movie with the director and they got very close to being in the movie and on top of that another thing that I would like to cite is the fact that it, yeah it was cut from the movie it was not included in the deleted scenes which I find really hmm. odd because there's a scene in the deleted scenes where they're looking at like videos of Jeff Goldblum's character and he's like basically making out with a tentacle monster <laughs> but mind you we can't at least see the scene see, yeah. of tessa Thompson of the girl walking out of tessa thompson's room um in the deleted scenes like i'm like why wouldn't they put that on the dvd like i yeah. would actually buy the blu-ray just to have a copy of it mm. even though and i know it doesn't exist because it'd be all over tumblr
0: already. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe who knows? Maybe that's why. Maybe it's just suspicious to me
1: because they always say, oh, we'll cut for time or just didn't work with the plot. I don't particularly buy that. And I also don't particularly buy that it was Taika's decision to leave it out of the film. But that's my little conspiracy theory. And like the evidence I have is like, one, it's not in deleted scenes on the DVD. So if they weren't afraid that it would trip up the plot in any way, they would have at least included it on there, especially if they shot it. And Tessa Thompson advocated for that
0: scene it is curious to see sort of like uh, in a battle of you've got like the director versus the actor versus the producer and in a best case scenario they're all working together but there's I know there's tons of times where like a conflict of how each of them has a different vision of something definitely leads to things going maybe a different way than we would have hoped for
1: yeah and i don't think it was malicious i Mm -hmm. think there's probably generally someone who just didn't understand how important that moment was Mm -hmm. and didn't understand why it mattered for the film that's what i think i don't think it was the director's fault in this case or tessa's clearly if she could have done it tessa would have had a girlfriend and made out with them and even uh (laughs) and and even she would have been more explicit yeah and actually there is another interview she did where she basically was also like if you uh, yeah we didn't get that scene but that scene with the battle with the valkyries and she's like kind of one of the women falls and she kind of like goes to her it's like she she kind of personally reads that as her lover. Mm-hmm. So in her mind, when the goddess of death murders the rest of Valkyrie's warriors, I'm reading the quote. She says, there's a great shot of me falling back from one of my sisters who's just been slain, says Thompson. In my mind, that was my lover. So...
0: Cause yeah, everyone's on like a slightly different wavelength, and so it, it mm. actually would have made more sense in that case to give that moment more meaning if mm-hmm. you had the scene earlier, if it was the same person leaving the ship.
1: Well, well, you the know? thing, well, the thing is that battle is a flashback. I think. Oh, I'm, that's right. That's yeah, right. she's that had, is, yeah. it's that beautiful. But still, the beautiful shot. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love those scenes. It would have worked, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it still would have worked. Yeah, th- there's no reason not to. But this also leads into what happened in Black Panther. Panther with Florence Kasumba's character Io. So,
0: I know we talked a lot about how they were kind of squishing characters together in a weird way cuz obviously you can't have the same massive cast that you can have in a comic, although, you know, even Endgame was Well,
1: I mean, yeah, I get that and I think that's mm-hmm. why we didn't see a character called Anika in In Black Panther and we might not. There's a very real chance they might not have that character because it was Suspected by a lot of bloggers I follow that uh, Okoye was meant to kind of fill that role with I.O. Mm. Uh, and they did give Okoye like, you know, a relationship with a guy in Black Panther, which kind of showed the disparity between like her her duty to Wakanda. And I think it was a good juxtaposition in that case. Like, I understand why they did it. And I also understand that, you know, they can't work in everything from the comics into these movies. Like, I'm not naive to that. But mm-hmm. what is suspicious to me is that, where was it? It was in April 2017. So, mind you, so Tessa Thompson tweeted that out in October 21st. So, I'm mm-hmm. guessing... So, actually, so this would have, in April 2017, uh, that would have happened before Tessa sent out that tweet, correct? Yeah. Okay. Correct. So, Joanna Robinson from Vanity Fair. So, she's the one who reported on the scene. So, I'm just... Her description is this. Uh, we see... a. Uh, Okoye and Kasuba's Ayo swing ryth- rhythmically back in formation with the rest of their team. Okoye eyes Ayo flirtatiously for a long time as the camera pans in on them. Eventually, she says appreciatively and appraisingly, You look good. Ayo responds in kind. Akoye grins and replies, I know. So that's what she reported on.
0: It, that, and then, that was the scene that got cut. That's the scene that yeah, got cut. That was cut. supposed to reference World of Wakanda, Right.
1: Well, that's the thing. It wasn't referencing World of Wakanda. It was just basically a scene between two women appreciating each other. And I could even argue, against my own uh, purposes, that it's not even gay. Right. Because women compliment each other all the time if they're really good friends and they don't hate each other.
0: You know? And they they do a lot of those jokes with the men. The and I think with the women also in Endgame. Yeah,
1: they talk about yeah. Captain America's ass. yeah.
0: Goddamn.
1: America's ass. America's ass. <laughs> anyway, but but yeah. So so in mind, you it was a rough cut, right? But right. So but so she reported on this as a positive, mm-hmm. and many other people picked it up and were like, "Oh my god, there's a gay moment in Black Panther. Oh my god, it's so great." Blah blah blah. And then almost immediately, we get the oh no no um. We're uh, we're not drawing from uh, the world of Wakanda at all. It's not part of the movie. It's not, mm, no, nothing to see here. Nope. <laughs> it's like there were so many. There it's was like, a response. Why,
0: why would you cut it out if you're getting positive yeah. feedback?
1: But mind you, we didn't know it was cut out till the movie's release. Right. So, true. I mean, and I was watching this closely, obviously, because, you know, everyone I know is... That's what they talk about, all the blogs I follow. <laughs> so they picked up on it right away. And Marvel told Vanity Fair that Ion Okoye do not have an on-screen romance and World of Wakanda was not mined for source material in the film. So that kind of language kind of bothers me a little bit just because mined for source material. Like, mind, We're not asking you to mine for source material. You literally have a character who is queer <laughs> in your movie the end it doesn't matter what book they're from so that that kind of stuff kind of bothers me because the screenwriter also kind of references the fact that uh what does he say so they talked to uh joe robert cole and he he helped write black panther i don't i believe there was multiple writers who helped Mm -hmm. so he told screen crush that he did not remember the specific scene in question and so mind you a writer for the movie didn't remember a scene Hmm. In the rough cut,
0: I mean, it it they, there's a lot of writing and rewriting so I don't necessarily no, hold that against them. But I
1: know, but I'm like, this was a shot scene,
0: mm-hmm. and it seemed it, like right, it, right. Was, it, it was, was a big, and it was film. like
1: during a big battle. Mm-hmm. So I mean, anyway, uh, so it, and he said so he doesn't remember the specific scene in question, and a queer st- love story wasn't some major theme we were looking to explore. However, Cole said that. There were quite a few conversations around different things, different directions, with different characters, so that the short answer is yes, as to whether there was ever any intention to delve into a relationship between two women. I guess that's an answer... It just seems like a non answer to me. Yeah, and, it it yeah. really
0: is. It's like the yeah. whole thing with Guardians of the Galaxy and people asking, was there going to be a queer character in the next movie and then they were like, well obviously there's queer characters in the galaxy. Like there's a there's millions of billions of trillions of of beings. Of Get course there, there here. are queer Get people. Out of here with that shit. You um. have
1: a tree. There's a tree in your movie. <laughs> Everyone you've got you people love a tree. It's so cute. There are talking raccoons Who don't <laughs> know the raccoons. They're talking dogs. They're astronauts. I just anyway. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, I know. I I I'm right there with you in, in uh, that frustration. But, but but yeah, so
1: and again, this is an instance where the scene did not end up in the movie. It was clearly shot. It was clearly You know, part of one of the high-budget shots because it was clear they were amidst a battle, so there was multiple people in the scene with them. So it's actually even more high-profile than the Valkyrie scene. But again, it's cut from the movie, and there's it's not on the the deleted scene reel. I mean, in that, I was like... And the actor does defend it. Her take was, I personally think people have no idea what... Or who T'Challa is, who are the Wakandans, what is Wakanda, what is... Where is Wakanda? What is their culture? There are so many important things that had to be told in these two hours. So the focus was on what is so important for T'Challa? What happens after the last movie that we saw? And that was Captain America Civil War. So, And that's the actress who plays mm-hmm. I.O. saying that. So I mean, okay. I understand that point. But again, it kind of leans into the fact that uh, that scene would have disrupted the whole film. In both cases, I don't believe that's the fact. I actually think it would have been... Nice to see Okoye interact a little bit more with the Dora Mache in like a playful way.
0: I mean, the, the whole point of these movies and the reason that they have been so successful for the earlier ones and throughout to now seems to mm-hmm. be all these like winks and head nods to the fandom. Mm-hmm. And so it seems kind of ridiculous to say, well, yeah, we're not going to include that stuff because it would be too confusing and i i think that like you said it it was a moment kind of like at the beginning of this episode <laughs> where the people who get it are going to get it and yeah. the people who don't get it are just going to disregard it as not necessarily being the most important information but maybe getting a a giggle out of it even yeah. seeing it as a moment between two women mm-hmm. queer or not queer being yeah. appreciative like you said and so it's yeah it does feel really suspect and you you never mm-hmm. know what goes on in the conversations that come together or the conversations that don't happen mm-hmm. as the movies coming together but it just seems like it seems like such weird decisions to make the cuts there mm-hmm. which then feel to the community like we're specifically being cut out so that that way we don't you know be our queerness doesn't impede on the clarity of the the narrative and it's just yeah it, and oftentimes it feel
1: good. yeah and oftentimes it's done with good intentions but they don't realize that it has a huge impact because we're basically wandering around the desert waiting for a drop of water and we think we've got it and then it just goes away and we're still wandering the desert of well, representation who will bl- bring
0: the stone command t- ten commandments down from the mountaintop well
1: as long bringing as it's, the queers a, to movies it's gonna be Gillian anderson but that's a story <laughs> for another day uh <laughs> the world of wakanda so we've referenced it a few times it's mm-hmm. Essentially, kind of a prequel to the the new run of Black Panther that Tanasi Coates is in charge of. Roxanne Gay wrote on it. Yona Harvey wrote on it. It's a great volume, so I'm if you can pick it up as a collection, I highly recommend it. If you haven't read it, Roxanne Gay like there's something she wrote about it that about the lack of the queer rep in the first Black Panther movie that kind of struck with me, and I just want to share it. So it's. This is kind of what she said. So Gay said it is disappointing that the storyline did not translate to the on-screen blockbuster to be. Even when great progress is made, some marginalized groups are told to wait, are told not yet, are told, let's do this first and then we will get to you. And we are also told we're asking too much, that we should be grateful for what progress is being made. But I don't buy into that. It would have been incredible and so gratifying to see a queer black woman in what will likely be the biggest movie of the year. Alas, not yet. And that kind of sticks with me because I completely agree. And these are two instances where they had two chances for not just to have what could have been considered the first queer moment in the MCU, but it could have been a superhero and Mm -hmm. it could have been a black woman.
0: And it... it, Two times. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, uh, anyway so like when you th- uh, when i think about that that's the kind of stuff that kind of annoys me especially when you consider what we got but we'll right, get and- to that at the end
0: <laughs> and, and what roxanne gay said is not something that she's saying for the first time it's something mm-hmm. that is brought up over and over again in civil rights of you know various types whether it's the rights of, of black Americans or women or the LGBTQAI plus community, mm-hmm. that this idea of saying, you know, we'll get this group through, you hang on, we'll get to you eventually, mm-hmm. you know, that that was a big issue in the queer community when, you know, dealing with trans rights, that the yeah. idea was, we can't fight for trans rights until this section of queer people has rights. then and look what happened. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, you know, trans people were a massive part of the start of the Mm. queer civil rights movement, so Mm -hmm. how on earth could you ever think to say that they should be left out until, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody else gets through first? Exactly. It's mind-boggling. Yeah,
1: exactly. And um, before we really deep dive into where we're at in the MCU, I, I... I think something else that kind of highlights the stark contrast of, like, representation on film to TV. I think there's two—there's a TV showrunner I particularly want to single out who I've mentioned before is Greg Berlanti, who's openly gay, and he's been in TV for a while.
0: So for those who don't know, Mm because we are, you know, in this uh, Mm -hmm. first season— dealing a lot with television when we yeah. are trying to get to being mostly a, a comics podcast. So yeah. so what is a showrunner? What do they do? They they basically
1: kind of shepherd a show in all of its forms, you know, writing, they form the narrative. Obviously, there are writers who work on a show, producers who work on a show, directors, so they kind of handle all juggling all of that and making sure it works cohesively. The right directors are hired, hired, writers, and usually have the say on what happens on the show itself, so, like, the big decisions that craft the narrative.
0: And... For comics, it's kind of like the editor of a comic book. Exactly. Is putting together the team that's working on it is deciding on the direction that the comic is going into is you know keeping thing everything on track for the timeline that it needs to be done in making sure all the logistics are working out while still also crafting the narrative.
1: Exactly. And they might yeah. not always be if it's like a long running comic maybe they're not always writing it or and they're usually maybe not even involved in the art but they're very much a part of what happens in it. And I think it's important these are people who are kind of bringing to the mainstream more, and Greg Berlanti's been a big part of that over at um well when it was WB, but now it's CW. And yeah. oddly enough, uh, I'm gonna start off talking about him by talking about something very non-comics related, and that is Dawson's Creek.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, man, like I barely
1: remember Dawson's Creek. <laughs> Holy crap! I'm so in love with Katie Holmes. Um, <laughs> and I was definitely Team Pacey because. Fuck Dawson.
0: Is, wait, wait, is Dawson's Creek the
1: one that's like, I don't want to wait? Yeah. I don't want to wait. So <laughs> I may or may not have written a song for this episode. We'll see. <laughs> uh- <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: we'll get to it. Okay. So something that we forget is that the showrunners don't just pop, appear out of nowhere. He's had his hand in, you know, the Arrow, the Flash, and now he's Legends of Tomorrow. He's kind of, he had a hand in getting uh, Nicole Main's cast in Supergirl Obviously, there are a lot of people working behind the scenes to do this, but, you know, his name gets thrown out there a lot. So he's kind of like the face of it or uh, the name that gets attached to it most of the time. Mm -hmm. But he's also like really a champion for it. And he's he's talked about how early in his career, like even gay people who he worked with, who were like decisions makers on things he worked on, didn't want to cast gay characters in straight roles. You know, mean gay, gay actors? Gay actors, straight, yeah. yeah. Gay actors in straight roles. You know, like, it's almost like it would stigmatize the straight character, you know, or something. It was, it, or, or they'd be so like, backwards. I can
0: tell that they're gay, so how will anybody else be able to read you as a yeah. straight character? Which is so, what, yeah. yeah, which is
1: so bullshit, because then yes. you just look at what Matt Bomer did on a white collar. You know, I didn't know he was gay until, like, the last season. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then he <laughs> did tons of gay stuff after that, and it was amazing. And, and now he's also playing another gay superhero, which we'll get to later. It, something that a lot of people don't think about is, you know, his early career. Because he's been a champion for queer representation since he was on Dawson's Creek. And he actually almost left during the season finale of season three. They wanted one of the characters to uh, curse myth plays, who's Jack, to who basically confess his feelings for another man on the show. And they kind of had to be sneaky about it. Because mm-hmm. the character wasn't originally thought to be gay. And he literally, he had to basically threaten to quit the show in order to kind of convincing the network to let it happen.
0: Right. And to do that and be willing to do that as such an early part of your career yeah, could give you a lot of stigmas in exactly. terms of you know, being, being a difficult person so that you don't want to work with them.
1: And James Whitmore, the director, also supported it, which was cool. And so did the the creator, Kevin Williamson, did as well. And I think it was just, had they not supported it, it might not have happened. Because as the creator and the director, they could have easily been like, no, it's not worth the trouble. Right. But they pushed for it. And that was huge. And it actually goes by really fast, but it, it actually, it happens. It's big moment on television for them and on a big show. And then he comes out to his father. It's just... It's so cool. And that kind of is where Greg Berlanti's origins are from. Like, he's always wanted to do stuff that promotes the queer community on television. And the fact that he took that risk early in his career really says a lot. And now, you know, we have all these, you know, more... I We have so many gay characters on superhero shows now. It's It's amazing. And yeah. I love it. And... The juxtaposition here is that, like, with the Russo brothers and Kevin Feig or whatever, or Feige Who, who, who are or, the Russo brothers? In the context of the MCU, I'm just going to say the Russo brothers. They got the big deal. That's all I'm going to say. They, okay. They're they in charge of the MCU, along with okay. Kevin Feig.
0: I think I think that's enough context for, you know, what we're talking about today. What says the most about them, or about all of the production of the MCU, is, like, I love...
1: What Marvel is doing with their universe. Their cinematic universe is far more cohesive than DC. Like Mm -hmm. that's just hands down. So I love overall what's been happening the last decade. And for all the things that you can complain about, there's far more things that I love about everything. But in juxtaposition to what someone like Greg Berlanti has been doing, the first queer moment they created in their film that they are claiming... And that they're, like, being like, oh, look, it's the first openly gay character. They cast one of the... Uh, Joe, I believe it was Joe Russo. Mm-hmm. Or the character didn't even have a name. His It was Grieving Man. Right. And he was at a support group. And that was it. And it was at the beginning of Endgame. And that's what
0: we got. So... Yeah. And and so, Jax- so it was just him grieving about, I believe, having lost his partner, if I remember it correctly. Is that... Yes. Or... Yeah. And, yeah, it was, it was a very short moment. And I... Yeah, it's... A,
1: like, I, I remember I was sitting next to your <laughs> wife, Laura, and I remember yeah. I actually had forgotten that they had promised there would be a queer character in Endgame. Mm-hmm. And I remember I'm sitting there eating my popcorn. It was the very first scene in the movie.
0: Right. And also, yeah. Well, and, and yeah. Starlin was in the room, too, which was supposed to be like the big thing about that scene was who that was in the it room? was also uh, Starlin, who was the writer for the whole comic book I didn't know uh, that. that the movies were based off of. I haven't. See- I've read so many articles
1: about this, and that hasn't been mentioned once. And I think that actually is also a big deal. Like, why, why, why are we talking about this guy? Why not talk about that person?
0: Well, I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's it's mm-hmm. interesting, and I mm-hmm. am really curious. So, Jim Jim Starlin, the name of the guy that I'm referring D- to. By did the you way. say Star Lim? Starlin. S T A R L I N. So Jim. Starlin. He worked on Silver Surfer mm. for a while. He also worked on Warlock is like his character oh. that he made. Okay. And then he also wrote Infinity War. And it's weird because Endgame is more, feels like it's more of the story of Infinity War than the Infinity War movie was. And so it, it was very bizarre to me that is, they is jim starlin gay or no no not not as far as i okay know. i was and just so... wondering i don't know i yeah. i'm not familiar so okay i don't um, believe so and so wondering. i don't know okay. if there was like a reason why he, they had him in that scene and why they decided to do the, the queer representation in that scene and whether what he felt about it. Oh, I'd, I can
1: tell you what, I'm just going to call them the Russo brothers. No, no, uh, no, not yeah, what yeah. Russo
0: thought about it but mm-hmm. what Jim Starlin yeah. who wrote the comics thought about their being, their big like queer moment being the other guy in the I support group that he was in. I've
1: read several articles about it and I haven't heard that name come up once and I think that's, it's all been it's in part of the problem's been it's all been about the Russos right. and about their big moment because this is what joe had to say about playing that character this is what direct quote representation is really important it was important to us as we did four of these films we wanted a gay character somewhere in in them We felt it was important that one of us play him to ensure the integrity and show it is so important to the filmmakers that one of us is representing that. It is a perfect time because one of the things that is compelling about the Marvel Universe moving forward is the focus on diversity.
0: It's hard because on one hand, it feels like a bunch of BS, hire a queer actor to play that part and show that you want to support both queer people in the real world and in fiction. And on the other side i i don't i still don't buy that explanation in whole in part i understand why they might have felt that was appropriate that a straight guy is not afraid to be a gay character on film um which was definitely an issue in many parts but then there are so many actors who have won so many awards for being straight people playing queer roles mm-hmm. so I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, my main, like, like,
1: I I get it <laughs> that, like, that he wanted to, like, stand up for the queer community or whatever, but to me, it's like, I look at people like Greg Berlanti, it's like, he would never cast himself in these shows that he's trying to get queer representation in. Right. Because he doesn't have to, because they've been busting their ass and doing it. And uh, uh, many times they're hiring people who identify as queer, bisexual, or at least are vocal allies of the community. So... Then to like see this thing that was hyped up with their little comment where it's going to be a character you have seen before and a character you haven't seen before. So this is the character we haven't seen before. How long were they planning it? I think I'm just thrown off by the fact that they're like, it had to be one of us. And I'm like, it didn't. Um, and also, I like couldn't this- it
0: be one of them and an actual queer Person. actor as yeah. well interacting in some way?
1: There's so many missed opportunities in that moment. It's a great moment. I think it's important to touch on trauma, and obviously there'd be a lot of trauma in that situation, so I did appreciate that. But I remember when Laura was like, that's the first openly queer character in Marvel. I remember I was like mid-popcorn bite, and I was like, mm-hmm. yeah i was like go away go away (laughs)
0: with
1: with my hand i was like get out of here get out of here (laughs) i'm surprised that
0: inside your head you were just like no
1: i was actually confused because in my head i was like oh shit that's it that's what i thought (laughs) in my head as your wife's like yeah, you know, Laurie got excited, and I understand why she got excited. But slowly, it kind of was like a slow motion, like "oh no" kind of thing. Yeah, it's I, like, mean, I mean,
0: as yeah. we were watching it, I also didn't know like the background. I didn't realize that was one of the Russo brothers. I didn't.
1: I didn't either. I didn't know it was one of the Russo brothers either until after. And then when I, I would because I, I was fine with that scene until I like found out it was one of them, and then heard what they had to say, in, and I'm like, oh, I guarantee on that that day on set. There was a gay person. They could have just plucked out of the crew and put it on there. Or just somebody who's been working on the films for years alongside them who might be in a part of the production that might be able to do that role. You know, like, baffles me that they didn't consider that. And that's the kind of difference that I'm talking about. And it's a stark contrast. And also, I think it also shows a lot of the difference between how straight... Creators think of queer characters and how queer creators do. Because Greg Berlanti's a gay man, so he understands how important this representation is. And I think that's why we're seeing so much of it on what he touches, because he works with so many other queer producers and directors and writers on his shows, and they're putting it into their work. And with these movies, it's like, yeah, they're great, they're spectacular. We're getting all these really cool moments and characters and throwbacks, but we're also getting out at like this kind of stuff. And then now we have yeah. to wait to see who the legacy character is. And I don't know if, do you have anything else you want more you want to say about Endgame?
0: There were two things that I wanted to kind of point out that I've been thinking about just on this conversation we're having now. Um, and one thing that I was thinking about earlier is that, like you were saying, like the straight view versus the gave you about like what counts as representation is also seems like a sort of uh, like the the straight view and not being part of the community so much not getting the information of sort of how we are hoping that they will make a world that's more inclusive of us and I remember in like high school which was over a decade ago for me that the idea was you know we wanted allyship like, we wanted people to stand up and say, you know, I may not be queer, but I, I'm i here for you, and I stand up for you. And now, it's kind of like, okay, we, we get it, you like us, there are more straight people at Pride than gay people, you're taking it over, <laughs> can... <laughs> Could you just maybe like sit down and say like we'll be over here in the stands because we understand that queer representation and queer rights is not you know it's not our game to play like we need to learn how to be in the supportive role rather than stand up and fight. For you, it's like okay, like we mm-hmm. can we can handle the fight. Mm-hmm. we appreciate your support, which is what we wanted in the first place mm-hmm. but now you're supporting us so much that you are pushing us out of our own representation mm-hmm. and, and in so, this case
1: quite literally yeah yeah yeah, literally It's not like martyrdom. you know like he's still making a lot of money off this movie. he's a producer.
0: That small moment
1: could have made someone's career.
0: Right, and that's the other part that I wanted to talk about, is that the Russo brothers, in the same vein, the the way that they are working on queer inclusion is very self-aggrandizing, whereas Greg Berlante is being very sort of self-sacrificing, like back at Dawson's Creek and being willing to... Uh, threatened to quit his job in order to make sure that the representation that he thought needed to be there could happen. Yeah, and honestly, any any
1: showrunner or writer or director who has worked on one of those shows that has included a queer character or storyline, they're all doing the work. And I know we're singling out Greg, but, I mean, that's just a means for an example. It's, right, right. Uh,
0: but, but yeah. We it, only have so much time, but, and but it's like, hopefully I, we get to talk about more of them throughout yeah. the course of the podcast.
1: Yeah, and I don't want to say that, like, the Russo brothers are being self-aggrandizing, or even that, you know, Kevin is, but it feels that way. Especially with uh, now leading into the whole, they're going to announce a, um, a legacy character that, oh, the characters, it's like... It- it's kind of like in those horror movies, like, oh, he's been dead for 25 years. It's um, <laughs> uh, it, They're all like, oh, well, they've been gay the whole time. It's, I that's basic- see gay
0: people. Ooh,
1: <laughs> baby. You know, like, that's what they're telling us is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I hate that a little bit because after they announce whoever it is, they're then going to go back and take every property that person's attached to and be like, that's gay now. That's gay now.
0: Was always gay. <laughs> I
1: don't want to be dumbledored again. Yeah. Like, get out of here. I'm like, it's it doesn't make the things they were in gay, and it doesn't mean you've done the work for queer rep because you've already made the money from those movies. There is no risk for you. Mm-hmm. You've already got the money. So it's it's kind of like representation without the work. You know, they're right. like it's
0: it's the risk averse representation. Exactly. Is, you know. Which is just, you know, if you don't know that it's representation when you're consuming the media, does that count?
1: Depending on who it is, they could have probably made more money if people had known. And it's also, I say, like they're avoiding risk because, like, yeah, people are going to be mad if you mark in a movie and the character is clearly gay. That's going to happen. That would happen even if we had a gay president and like a gay congress and everyone was gay there would still be people fighting against gay people so (laughs) this aversion people have to marketing things as gay in this when it's this high profile bothers me like that and then also the whole oh that character was gay the whole time we're gonna confirm it i'm like now we can kind of get into the speculation like who do we think it's gonna be i don't know my worst fear is that they're gonna announce it to be like valkyrie someone that yeah we know we got it
0: Duh, uh we, or yeah. io
1: or they're gonna be <laughs> like oh knew. io yeah she's gay oh yeah we we fucking knew that already or or it's gonna be the shawarma guy serving them shawarma <laughs> they're like remember him the shawarma guy serving legacy shwarma? legacy character right there right there he was gay the whole time
0: <laughs> <laughs> or you know it, so. <laughs> like yeah. it almost makes me think that there's some, like, clever, like, patting on the back of, like, you know how how during the queer movement, like, your your best friend would come out as gay to you, and you'd be so surprised, and you're like, oh, like, oh my god, you just turned gay, and they were like, no, nah, dude, I turned I was gay the whole time. Or Korg, because Korg, which I didn't know before
1: researching for this, is actually gay in the comics, you know, that's... And-
0: yeah, because I was confused at first. That's the the rock guy. Yeah, from that's that's the, the guy Thor yeah. Ragnarok. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The the guy that was always asking about Doug, right?
1: Yeah, that's the guy that uh, Taika plays. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I didn't know he's gay. I mean, we have some hope in the MCU. Like, it's not mm-hmm. all hopeless, but I mean, because they didn't announce the Eternals, and there's supposed to be a gay Asian man in that leading the movie. I don't know. When they say leading in an ensemble movie, I'm like, how leading are we talking here? Like, are we talking, like, Iron Man-level leading? Or what are we talking about? I don't know. Because I'm excited about The Eternals. I'm excited there's going to be a queer character that they've established that it's going to be an Asian guy. I do. I want my queer standalone film. I look at all the comic book movies, and all I keep thinking to myself is, like, Midnighter deserved a trilogy, like, five Batman movies ago. Like... (laughs)
0: I, it's so true. Yeah, yeah, WB is it's it's so bizarre how how much success they've had with queer representation in television and how seemingly stunted they they feel like they are in the the movie scenario. Mm-hmm. It's it's so bizarre. Yeah, um, yeah, but and, yeah, yeah. As we we hope for a you know future standalone queer lead Marvel movie, I do have to say that I don't know if it was the time that it took to get there or if it was just the movie itself, but I was so happy with the way that Captain Marvel turned out. Oh as yeah. A feminist film written like for women in what we want in a narrative. And as much as it frustrated me to have to explain why it was a good movie to a couple of my male friends i, I appreciated that first of all that they asked for my insight mm-hmm. and that hopefully they learned something from the conversations that we have hopefully. and i think that they did yep and at least many of them uh and So I I just hope that when we get that film, that it I I have the same feeling that I had about Captain Marvel.
1: And yeah, and speaking of Captain Marvel, I know that that's like something that has kind of inspired a lot of talk of like queer rep. And um, I would love it if they made it canon that she was gay in the movies. But that being said, it's more so because as far as queer rep goes in the movies, that's like the that would be, like, the best-case scenario. Because in a perfect world, if we ignore the canon of Captain Marvel's character, her be- essentially becoming the Tony Stark of the next generation of films and having a queer relationship would essentially make her kind of, like, take over the whole Pepper pots tony Stark dynamic. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, would be incredible. Especially being led by someone like Brie Larson. But... I also would rather her not be gay because if they change the canon of a character like that, who's to say that they won't change the canon of a queer character? So that's- So like cut.
0: erasing, like making one character queer and erasing another character.
1: And that would be erasure. So, mm-hmm. so it's like, yes, that would be fucking phenomenal. But if that happened with Captain Marvel, and I could be wrong, they could be going that way. I don't know. And on w- another hand, if they change the canon of a character like that from the comic, who's to say they wouldn't straight wash Io eventually, you know? So I don't want them to and, start- And why I- does
0: it have to be, like, a scales? Why does it have to be one or the other? Which it would be a question that I would propose to them if, if that's the way they end up thinking.
1: All I can say is that if they make a character as big as Captain Marvel gay- then they could see it as a big went as a like them like checking a box be like hey you've got big queer rep now why do you need all these other characters and yeah i mean of course they wouldn't come out right and say it
0: it would be just rainbow captain marvel for the
1: rest of our life and we wouldn't get anything else right
0: <laughs> and and all these all these amazing opportunities for representation of queer women of color mm. could be lost Yeah. because and- they feel like they like you said they've checked that box
1: yeah, and that's a fear of mine, so it's... And at the very least, Valkyrie should be gay. And I kind of am holding out hope that they'll use whatever opportunity it is to confirm that she is. I mean, they've already made her a king, so
0: I think that's the least they can do. Uh, but Who's the man in this relationship? Well, I'm king, so yeah, obviously. I know,
1: obviously. And also, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let it go. Anyway. I still
0: remember when my first girlfriend's mom asked that question.
1: I hate like, that question.
0: So, but she she asked it very tongue-in-cheek just to get a rise out of uh, my girlfriend.
1: I'm like, <laughs> honestly, daughter. I kind of want to go up to a straight couple and ask that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, come on, be like, who's the man in this relationship? <laughs> uh, uh, but two people can kind of appear masculine and be in a queer relationship or vice versa, you know, like feminine, you know, there's total mixes. It's like not always the same thing, like, and I think... Uh,
0: or or be a mixture of genders and not necessarily be one or the other.
1: But realistically, if we're not... Let's leave Captain Marvel out of it for a second. Do you have any ideas, like aside from Valkyrie and Captain Marvel and IO, as to who like they might announce as the queer character? Like, if it's somebody we don't expect.
0: My dark horse for the legacy queer character would actually be Falcon. mm so okay. Sam, Sam Wilson. Oh, okay. Uh, and because I, like I don't think they have shown any sort of relationship stuff. I mean, maybe there there might have been a mention of a wife in the earliest appearances, but I can't I can't recall. I don't I don't recall.
1: And he's also teaming up with Bucky for that show. So I I've all I've always considered that maybe they might have Bucky come out of the closet.
0: I was curious. It's, it's hard because I feel like Bucky has been sort of the the women, woman in a refrigerator for uh, Captain America.
1: <laughs> but so, he's alive.
0: So if he's... But he's alive. If, he, if it's a relationship instead of being like a romantic relationship instead of a friendship, does that make it even more so of like a token swooning character that needs to be saved are you talking about people pairing him with captain america yeah oh uh well
1: i think that's off the books now i'm just talking yeah. because going forward it's well
0: not not necessarily yeah, yeah. i don't but, know but
1: i get it i know a lot of people ship them uh but i just think that going forward as far as male characters go i think um maybe they'll lean into uh, loki being bisexual or bucky being gay or sam wilson i hadn't thought of but that's a good one that would be a good opportunity for them
0: i I like the idea of sam wilson because we don't already have this idea of that character as a queer stereotype Mm -hmm. whereas loki definitely Uh, Mm -hmm. like is in that like bisexual sort of troublemaker stereotype and which is fine like i i love exploring those sorts of roles that you know maybe based on you know a, a trope in our culture and yet at the same time like you you were saying with valkyrie and if they if they say valkyrie is the queer character then it's gonna be like okay yeah tell me something i don't know yeah um, exactly so and that's why i like the dark horse
1: yeah no actually sam wilson's a good one that's mm-hmm. a good that would be a shock and i think that'd be a good choice and
0: do, I, do you have a dark horse my for, dark horse for your legacy your queer legacy character. my dark horse was a shawarma guy oh yeah that's <laughs> Still, I do I do as annoying as
1: it might be I kind of love that.
0: <laughs>
1: they just the next end credit scene is just the shawarma shop again, but it's got <laughs> rainbow flags.
0: <laughs> um I mean it's like him and his partner giving loving exchanges as they're cleaning out the rubble in the shop. Yeah. Um Nebula. I don't know if that's a dark horse though cuz like she's uh. the the, the troubled woman that has difficulty with relationships but is also a very strong yeah, and empowered woman yeah, it's, right. a, it's almost like a like sometimes it almost feels like a, a witch hunt like let's try find the strongest woman and I make honestly, her gay I'm like brute <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes! <laughs> I want Groot I want boyfriend. Groot to be Groot, like or, to find a root. I want Groot to have no gender and to yeah have genderless be in it with another Groot. I
1: mean, technically, isn't Groot genderless?
0: Everybody uses he pronouns. Yeah, I do. Like too. masculine pronouns. That's with Groot, my problem. So, That's our. So um, we we've, we've gendered Groot, we but have, gendered Groot. have we really asked Groot? No, what no their Nobody knows how Groot identifies. gender is. Well, he yeah. is Groot, or ah, they are Groot.
1: Goddamn, they are Groot. <laughs> Uh, so I need to (laughs) change it it. maybe that's a good way to practice Uh, group Nebula's still my dark horse because I kind of feel like they're never hinting at a relationship with her and anyone so I'm like if they gave her a romantic love interest that would be the last thing I expected at this point well and also just the whole Captain Marvel thing another thing that kind of bothers me about it is I'm fine with her not being gay but so far since Captain Marvel's come out she's been shipped with three different guys in the MCU without any actual on-screen interaction that's first it was thor with that hammer scene and then people started shipping her with war machine even though i can't remember a scene in the movie where they flirted and then and now there's a theory that she dated star lord why i know and like <laughs> by the thing- him why well because people are saying was because he makes a comment about a kree girl almost killing him and everyone's like oh what if that was captain marvel and i'm like shut up but but the thing is like it's already happened with like three different guys like they're just trying to set her up with guys and at this point i almost want her to be gay to shut them
0: up but i just want her to never be with anyone ever i'd be
1: fine with that i would be (laughs) so fine and her be okay with that i was like if she could just show up and at the end of every movie and just gand off everybody that's (laughs) fine just that for the next 20 years of my life um, because the world is melting and I don't have time.
0: You don't want your lead singer to be off in a relationship. It, it deals with... It uh, <laughs> <laughs> screws with your fantasies. But then at the same time,
1: if she is going to essentially take the role of Tony Stark going forward, I really did love Tony and Pepper together, so I'm like, ah! so torn i'm like if that's just a friendship i'm fine with that but but you think about all the relationships throughout the mcu that have cultivated over the years it would be so great if one of them was two queer people
0: they kept hinting that they're gonna reveal a gay legacy character and Mm -hmm. the same way we're saying with roxanne gay's quote Mm -hmm. is that we know that they mean gay or lesbian Mm -hmm. we're we're pretty certain that they're not including any other part of the queer community and it would be a nice surprise if they were Mm -hmm. i I don't know if they're considering bisexuality in that in that realm as well (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's but like to to have a a trans character or someone who's asexual or you know or intersexed or you know wh- oh we're so anything. far from yeah. that yeah in anything it's, it's so it's horrible
1: they just need to do it the thing i think about anyone who would hate it because they're like oh i have to bring my family to these movies i was like queer people have families there are you know people in our community who are single parents or are divorced or have a wife or a husband who are going through a tr- who are transitioning you know and the thing about these movies is there's not a the whole lot of stuff you can take your kids to so no matter what, they're going to take their kids to see these movies because kids love superheroes. So, like, that's the thing is, like, queer people have kids and take them to see these movies, too. So they're not necessarily... They don't want people, you know, having sex all over the movie. They want their kids to be able to watch them, you know? So it's not about... You you know yeah. us queers. Yeah, I know. Sex I'm... all over the place. Oh, God, it's ridiculous. It was like, <laughs> let you know, I'm fine with that, you know, and that's why I appreciate movies that, like, have more queer sexuality you know, But, you know, when we talk about movies that, like, kids see and, like, that help shape them and that give them something to look forward to, you know, it would be nice for, like, a kid being raised by queer parents to see queer parents who are superheroes or something, you know, like, mm-hmm. have... I want them to have their... Tony Stark, Pepper Potts moment or their Ant-Man and the Wasp moment. It would just be so nice to see that. Their appearance,
0: the next frontier. I mean, it's for real though. No. For real. <laughs> I don't want to what for the world to be over. <laughs> Alright, that's perfect. Let's end it there. I love it. I love it. Give me my queer superhero
1: now. I don't really have any more to say about it, other than that. And uh, I pre is, was very therapeutic. And if they announce it before Comic Con, mm-hmm. uh, we'll try to make a little bonus episode, even if it's just me instead of me and Nina. But we'll we'll try to make that work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah if they don't announce it this month, they better announce it at Comic Con. <laughs> oh yeah, because I forgot to mention if. There's still a chance we they we might be getting an America Chavez announcement or a Young Avengers announcement. So those those are the only two I'm holding out hope for. If they don't do it at this Comic-Con, my head might mm-hmm. explode. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um go forth and be cynical. Be cynical all over the Geek Therapy forums. Yeah, super and cynical. We want to hear all your cynical discord. thoughts on our forums.
0: Tell us, tell us. That's why there's. It's full of therapists. They're Let's all here for get you.
1: Cynical, not me. Cynical. Not us. Okay, guys. All See right. you later. Till next time. Bye. Queer Comics Podcast is a part of the Geek Therapy Network. It is mixed and edited by me, Jessica Vasquez, and co-produced by Josue Cardona. Today's podcast also features original music by Tyler Francis. So if you like what you hear, make sure to check out his Bandcamp page linked in the description or follow him on Instagram at Tyler IRL underscore. Make sure to subscribe to Queer Comics Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and check out more shows
0: in the Geek Therapy Network at network.geektherapy.com. I
1: love you 3000, bye!